Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, the long-awaited episode 26 of Dixie Discusses. Um, I can only apologise. Obviously, the last time we put a podcast out was back in February. Um, it's been a few uh, been a few family issues with me and a couple of the lads. Um, obviously, as well about what was going on with the club at the time. Uh, etc. So, obviously, humblest apologies, but uh, we're hoping to be to sort of back to our like regular schedule. Um, especially in the new season, we'll, we'll be putting out a few more, uh, hopefully a few more podcasts over the summer uh, with the incomings, outgoings, etc. But uh, obviously, on tonight's show, uh, it's a bit of an end of season review. Um, obviously, with what's going on during the season, looking into next season, and also uh, the fan advisory board. So. With me tonight, um, I can you know uh, it, it's been great for him to come on at short notice, uh, Mr. Stephen Tate. Stay, how are you, mate? I'm all right, Matty. Thanks very much for uh, inviting me on, and look forward to um, inputting to your your podcast, the end of the year review. And as you say, and get a few points across about the fan advisory board. Um, be really good. Thank you. No, you're welcome, Steve. As I say, great to have you on, mate. Um, so obviously, just just in terms of you know, obviously the season's finished now, mate. It's uh, it was a bit of a grueler, wasn't it, for for us all? But just uh, just sort of taking taking us back to to last summer. Um, obviously, uh, Carlo left uh, under the clouds and, and very unexpectedly, um, and then obviously we had we had everything where um, you know there were certain names touted. Um, but obviously, Rafa Benitez ended up with the job. Um, how did you feel at the time, Steve, when obviously all that was going on and obviously his name got announced? Um, it, it was a, it was an interesting one, wasn't it? I think you've just touched on Ancelotti leaving and, you know, the club was on a high. But let's be honest, it was a little bit of a mixed season for COVID and other reasons, even when we had Ancelotti. But he left, he went. Um, and then, obviously, the announcement of Benitez... Um, and I think it's fair to say that he didn't get a, a good reception and a lot of people didn't want him. Um, he, he was brought in anyway, regardless. Um, but in terms of, if, if you think of it as a game, with the loss of Ancelotti and then bringing Benitez in uh, as he came in, you know, it was almost as if we were starting the season behind, you know. It was almost yes. as if we'd have a 10-point loss. Yeah, yeah. And we, uh, that was my feeling, you know. And, OK, it, it it went okay at the beginning, didn't it? It went really well. Uh, you know, I think there were some question marks about some of the signings that he brought in with, with Damari Gray and Townsend and a few others, but they they come good. And at a point in time, it was looking good. But then things start, started to, you know, to, to, to go downhill. So um, that, that was my feeling, you know. I think we were... And that's a worry going forward, which we'll talk about later, that, you know... If you don't get a good start to the season, you know, it, it leaves you feeling as if you're behind, you know, and then you can yeah. catch up, in my opinion. Yeah, no, totally, Steve. Um, and as, as you touched on it there, yeah, you know, we, we did get off to a fairly decent start, didn't we? I think certainly for the first couple of months. Um, you know, you obviously we had we had good wins. The you know first game back with fans in um, against Southampton. It's one that I always remember. Obviously, everyone was desperate to get back in the ground. Um, but obviously, we beat them. Um, got a got a draw away to Leeds, where at the time you know you thought it was a decent result. Um, beat Brighton, which obviously up until uh, up until last month um, was our only source of away win. Um, for for most of the season, um, and then you you obviously you're going into September. We had you know we had a good result against Burnley. Um, maybe the first sort of cracks were starting to appear. Where you know we got a, we got a good hiding really. We at Villa, um, beat Norwich. 
Um, good draw with United um, going into October. Then, obviously, we got get beat by a, a decent West Ham side. But I think the really, you know, the knives really started coming out uh, when we were beaten at home by Watford 5-2, um, which, you know, was an absolute shocker at the time, mate, wasn't it? I, I think we, we went 2-1 up. Um, and I can remember a, a sub, a couple of subs being made. Then we took off someone in the middle of the park. Um, and obviously, they just completely dominated us then. Um, and obviously, you know, who would have thought it's Josh King getting a hat trick, uh, coming back, coming back to haunt us? But yeah, I, I don't know if you remember that one stay or what, what you remember of it. But um, I think, as I say, I think that was the first sort of you could, you could feel it within the ground that, you know, things were really starting to shift. Um, you know, onto Benitez then. And I, I think maybe even even at that point, the writing was on the wall. Comment, but. I, I did hear it all, and the point I was going to make is it was definitely a turning point, wasn't it? And and yes, I was at that game, like I'm at all the games, and it was not good to watch. Um, and I think, as you said, I think things started to go downhill from there, um, and then the, the signs were just worrying from then on, weren't they? Yeah, massively, mate. I mean, I know, obviously, November, um, I think we only picked up one point at home against Tottenham, where... You know, tip another VAR decision goes against us. Um, obviously, the challenge can get towards the pen and then they, they take it away. Um, yeah. But yeah, obviously, you know, we were beaten by Wolves, beaten away to Brentford, which, you know, um, which was really disappointing. Um, and then you, you're sort of, uh, you're going into the, the derby, um, which obviously we got a good hiding in the derby. Um, yeah, know, I know yeah. And I, th- I think I think the only source of stay of execution was the um, was the Arsenal game. It wasn't with obviously Zamari Gray banging yeah. that winner in uh, late on. I-, I think that was a bit of a stay of execution for him. I, uh, I think Matthew, you 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 touched on a few points there about you know things were going against us as well. You know, it's not to make excuses, but the VAR decisions. Yeah. Um, we could talk about them all, all night, to be honest. But there was VAR decisions, and then. You know, we we weren't in some games. It, the, the the result was just not good. But if I remember, we weren't getting beaten by a lot. But nope. the performances were just not where they needed to be. You know, as as fans watching the football, you're thinking, well, we're not looking likely to win these games here. And I think that was what what was concerning. Yeah, no, totally, mate. Definitely, it, it was a bit of a perfect storm, wasn't it? To be honest, with you, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, with with everything thrown in, so. Yeah, we obviously we go to sort of into towards the Christmas period, get a decent point at Stamford Bridge, which was unexpected. Um, but obviously that that ticked us over a little bit. But then we, we get we get beaten on by Brighton, um, just about scraped through against Hull in the cup. And then obviously the axe the axe for Benitez says fell for a really, you know, really poor performance against uh, against Norwich. Yeah. Which, you know, I remember mate, I was absolutely um, baffled by I think he played Ronson, didn't he, as a number ten that game. Um, you know, and that obviously was the was, was the nail in the coffin, mate. Um Duncan obviously comes in then for a the game against Villa. I thought we were really unlucky. Um, yeah. it, it was a poor game, mate, but obviously, you know, decided by uh, by that corner. Um, and then, you know, we sh- Frank gets brought in um, sort of towards the end of January. You know, there was a, there was the exhaust, exhaustive search, you should say, uh, for the manager. Obviously, Vita Pereira looked really, you know, really in line to get the job, mate, until obviously th- there was quite a lot of fan protests. Um, but obviously, Frank Frank's brought in. Um, on deadline day, 
we yeah. get it. We get off to a really decent start under Frank. Obviously, beating Brentford in the cup. Um, go to Newcastle, which I think was a real big turning point in their season. Um, yeah. obviously take take the take the lead, but then end up getting beat three one. Um, have a, a really good performance. Probably one of the best best performances I think of the season against Leeds, beating them three nil. Um, but again, obviously really topsy turvy. Go away to Southampton, who you know obviously weren't any great shakes at the time. Get beat two nil. Then we have obviously the City game, um, which you know maybe like we were saying about VAR, mate. The less the less said about that one, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, the most short of blatant sandball I think I can ever remember, mate. Um, and it doesn't get given. And then you know we're sort of down with the dead men. Then if you like, yeah. Um, we have obviously Boreham Wood in the cup get through, hiding at Tottenham, um, beating their own by Wolves, which I think under Frank mate was probably you know especially at home mate that was probably one of the poorer performances. I think obviously the Tottenham game was 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 you know an absolute debacle. Um, but then you know I think again one of probably the start. Of of things turning around a little bit for me was the results against Newcastle at home. Um, obviously, crowd were massively up for. I think we all knew at that point, sort of how you know how how bad things were. Um, Alan, he was saying before mate, about referees' decisions. Alan gets sent off, um, which for something was was a, was a yellow card. Yeah, and I think in ninety nine percent of people's book, but obviously he gets sent off. But the team sort of seems to be galvanised with that. And obviously Alex Awobi, um, much maligned by you know by a lot of the fan base, um, works his socks off and comes off trumps at the you know at the end. I think eight minutes into fourteen minutes of stoppage time, uh, with a fantastic finish. Um, and obviously we're going away happy. But yeah, just just touching touching on that game, Steve. Um, you know that for me, as I say, was, was one of the one of the sorts of high points of the season. Um, but obviously, again, one of the things I think, but which which turned turned the for us in our favour. Just wonder what your thoughts were on that. I I, I think to, to exactly as you've just mentioned, and it, it is just just in this this discussion you and your run through there. It's the highs and lows of this season. You know, when when they were really high, they were high. When they were low, they were just you know unbearable. But you know, I think as you said. Um, with the Newcastle game, I think the fans started to realise, you know, we've got to get behind this team here. We we could be and are in trouble here unless we start. So something happened in that game. And it, it's always said, isn't it, in an Everton game, sometimes it needs a controversy. It needs a tackle. It needs something. Unfortunately, it was a sending off, which was never a sending off. But that seemed to galvanise the team, the fans, you name it. And like you say, that that goal was just it was just a season saver, really, when you think about it. No, it was, mate. It was a massive turning point. Yeah, yeah. When you look at obviously how the league finished, mate, and I know we'll we'll, we'll touch on that in, in a little bit, but yeah, when you look at it, mate, in the grand scheme of things, it was a huge three points, wasn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And you did think that and hope that it was gonna turn completely from there, but you know, yeah. as you're probably gonna mention, it still went a little bit up and down, but that was such a significant game, you know. It was it was like the Everton spirit, wasn't it? You know, yeah. we've got ten men, so be it. Let's just keep fighting, and we, they did it. Yeah. It was just such a relief, but definitely a turning point. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, mate. Um, you know, sadly we, we we went from that, like you said, mate. Obviously, the way the way things were, it was so up and down. Went from there, um, obviously to a, an FA Cup quarter final, Palace, and obviously got. I thought I thought we played really well for the first twenty twenty five minutes, mate. But obviously, once once the first goal went in, it just seems the head started to go down, and, and we crumbled. Um, went away then to West Ham. I thought we put a put a decent performance up in that game, but got beat. And then, you know, when I think when a, a lot of us thought we were really in it, um, and I think some people really doubted we were going to stay in the league, was obviously the defeat at Burnley um, after yeah. after going in front, which, you know, it was massive, mate. But I, again, I, I think that that sort of um, galvanised some of the players. I know Frank came out and, you know, he said he, he'd obviously put his arm on the shoulder for a few of the players uh, when he came in. But at that point, I, I think it was, you know, it was time to maybe kick a few people up the backside and get them to realise, listen, you know, we're really an idiot. Um, and I think after that, obviously, we, we, we drew against Leicester at home. It, it, you know, it was a, maybe people said that might be in a decent point. Um, going to the derby at Anfield, obviously, like we were saying, makes them both VAR. Um, yes. You know, Anthony Gordon gets denied, a, for me, a blatant penalty. You know, he, he, he's, his foot stood on, he goes over. Um you know, nothing, nothing doing from the referee, nothing doing from VAR. Um, there was also as well, you know, there was a, a scuffle in the middle of the park, wasn't there? I think um, Holgate and uh, and Allen got got a hands and you know a hands and you know fingers in their eyes, if you like, off Manny. Nothing yeah. doing in that. Um, and obviously, you know, Frank Frankson's been charged by the FA for it, which I think is absolutely scandalous, mate. But but again, you know, I, I think the shooter recovery were there. Um, if you, if you like after that. Because obviously we went into the the Chelsea game, you know the fans really really made themselves here from that point. Obviously we got we got the coach welcomes and stuff from that point. Um, you know the blue like he was saying before, mate, about the uh, the blue smoke bombs, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, everything was sort of going off before the game. Um, and I think personally, I thought going into that game after seeing you know being in and around. Around Goodison, you know, I, I think you know Real or whoever could have turned up, mate. I think uh, I think we were always going to get the three points that game. It, it felt a bit. It's it's felt all of those games, those last games with the atmosphere outside before, and you know, it's felt like the you know one game that comes to mind is the buying game, isn't it? You know, yeah. where where we were losing, and you know, it was the crowd again that day, wasn't it? You know, it yeah. it felt like that, but on a bigger scale. And you know, but what I'd like to say is that I think you were just touching on it there. That apart from one or two games, the Crystal Palace game, as you said, the performances were much better. It was just things were going against us, and you know, VAR, and you know, we did make a couple of the plays were silly, stupid mistakes. You know, a lot of that was basically I put it down to pressure because you know of of where we were and how things were looking. You know, and as you said, Lampard. And I know we got a bit of criticism for it. I think there's a need for being, you know, for putting the arm around people. But when people continually do things which are costing you, yeah. you know, and costing a club like Everton, I believe in being honest. And and I've been okay. He criticised because he, he he let us. It was known outside of the club that he'd said these things. But you know what? If it's not good enough, it's not good enough. It, yeah. it, you can't butter it up, can you? It's got to be said. Yeah, it's like any workplace, mate, and you know any manager. If, if someone's obviously not pulling the weight, and you know, like you said, mate, they're making they're making the same mistakes after you know how, however many you know bits of training, then yeah, you, you you've got to do something about it, haven't you, mate? So yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. But the performances, 
since Frank's come in, you know, and if, if they weren't, I think we'd both say, and a lot of thousands of other people would say as well, the performances were better. It was just a mixture of bad luck, you know, getting beaten by the odd goal or so. But it was feeling better, apart from yeah. those one or two games, which, you know, which I'm sure you're going to mention, the Watford game and stuff like that, you know, yeah. it just let us down, didn't it? A few of them yeah. just let us down. Yeah, because, you know, the next one was going to touch on, mate, was obviously... You know, the last away game, which was absolutely huge. Um, obviously, you know, Michalenko, what you know, what a fantastic goal to sort of kick things oh, off. Yeah. Um, like you said, mate, mate, you know, there's a comedy of errors. Um, Tim Coleman sort of bumped into Mina, didn't he, for their equaliser? But we obviously came again and you know, Oldgate scored, um, Oldgate scored from a corner. And then I thought it was, you know, it was real, real sort of backs to the wall uh, performance. You know, everyone throwing the bodies on the line, and we, we come away with the result. But obviously, you know, the the, the fans, um, I, you know, and I, I know a couple of people from Leicester, mate, and they said they haven't seen away fans like that. Well, yeah, yeah probably haven't seen them. Certainly not at the uh, at the King Power Stadium anyway. Um, and you know, obviously, I think they were they were in probably maybe an hour after the game, still singing songs and stuff, mate. And again, you know, another another huge result, um, you know, to, to sort of try and get us away from trouble. Like you just yeah. mentioned, obviously the Watford game, I think everyone to a man thought, especially after the last couple of results, we'd be going in there to turn them over, mate. But, you know, you looked at it, I, I thought about it before the game. I, I know they had quite a lot of injuries, you had lads coming in who we might not have knew much about, but obviously maybe wanted to come in and make an impression. Um, and then obviously we just we just sort of didn't get going on the night. Um, and you look at it, mate. Whether there was a bit of a hangover in that game going into the Brentford game, um, I thought obviously the way we started started off like a train should should have had a penalty um, for a Brighton pull on Richarlison. Yeah. Referee doesn't give it. VAR doesn't give it, like what you said, mate, which is which has gone for us for most of the season. Um, and then obviously the goes down ball goes down the other end. Um Ivan Tony gets in front of at Branthwaite, sending off and um, you know, our backs are against the wall, mate. I mean, I think yeah. like you said, even with that, you know, the adversity, we go in, we go in at half time, two one up. Um obviously with the lads pushing. Few base, like you said, few basic errors in the second half, um, especially from set pieces. Um, and unfortunately, we lose the game, mate. And you know, we're, we're right back, we're right back in sort of into the mire. Um, but you know, obviously, uh, we'll touch on uh, probably more than any other game, mate, was the Palace game. Um, yeah. you know, I've, I've got to be honest, they obviously the, the build up to the game was similar to the other games, but I think everyone just knew it, didn't he? Um, you know, we had to sort of go in, we had to get the three points. We didn't want it going into that Arsenal game. Um, the you know, the way the game went, mate, um, obviously, we you know, with a goal down quite early on, then um, it, it, it goes to 2 0, um, which was obviously a comedy of errors for, the, for their second goal. Um, I just I'll, I'll take it to my grave, mate. I've got to be honest, I'm sat there, I go, I go to the game with my cousin. Um, Robbie, who's you know, obviously comes on the podcast quite often, uh, and we made Chris, and um, I was sat there with him, and uh, he's got his head in the in his hands, mate, and I don't know what it was. Um, it's probably might be part of the reason, mate, is I didn't actually have a bevy before that game. I was, I was, I, I started antibiotics because I had a chest infection, so I don't know whether I had a bit more of a level head, mate, than him, some other people around me, <laughs> but. Um, 
I remember just saying to me, he had his head in his hands, I went, listen, mate, I said, it's got so many parallels, this, for me, to the with, from the Wimbledon game. Especially that second goal, mate. I mean, when the ball went in, the first like, thing that flashed in my mind was Gary Ablett sort of falling in the net with the ball in the Wimbledon game. Um, and I just said to him, so, well, listen, you know, if we get a goal back here, we'll beat these. Because I didn't think Palace were that, were that great, mate. I mean, obviously, they scored the two goals, but I didn't, you know, I, I didn't think, the, the, apart from that, I didn't really think they caused as many problems. Um, and then, obviously, the second half kicks off. We get the, we get the goal. Michael Keane, you know, crack and finish, um, get the goal back. Fans right back, right back up for it again. Um, and I just thought after that, mate, Palace were going to be on a hard and so nothing because I think that the crowd was just was so was so up for it. Um, we get the equaliser. Um, this for Charleston, you know, if there was a roof, there was a roof on Goodison, it would have came off. Um, and then I, I think it was just inevitable, mate. You, you know, the, the, the Calvert Lewin's goal. Um, Fantastic, obviously, fantastic cross by Gray. Great header um, by Calvert Lewin. You know, he was at a really, you know, a really, I was going to say an up and down season because he started off like a train, got got this injury, then he's had obviously niggling injuries, so obviously hasn't got going, and it obviously would touch a bit more on him. Uh, on him later on, but obviously the final whistle to go, Steve, the relief was just palpable, wasn't it? Um, and I know, obviously, you know, the people running on and stuff like that. I think it was just it was just that outpouring of emotion because obviously how things had gone throughout the whole season, um, and I think that that that's what it was. But what what were your thoughts about it, Steve? Obviously, what, what are your memories now looking back? I'm sure you'll 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 hear from me. I'm pretty much an optimist at, at the best of times, yeah. you know. Like, yeah, definitely. But, but even I, even I at two 0 Admittedly, you know, I think we're all in the situation we're in. I'm totally disheartened, and you know, you just think the worst. But you know, there is a part of me like you were feeling on that day to say, "Hang on a second, we're two nil. It's only two, okay? If we get one back, they always say, don't do you know, two nil. One one goal matters. If it goes for us, it's a different game. If it goes to them, game over. And I was just hoping that we get an early goal. And as you say, Michael Keane with with a finish that never anyone never knew he had was just what we needed. And then you knew something was going to happen in yeah. many respects. Um, you know. And then obviously we we popped the second. And then as you said with that thing, it was almost as if it was inevitable. To be fair, you're right. I think it was. We've we've got the momentum. I don't think Palace were 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 that great, to be honest with you. I think we were just again unlucky, um, and then we found ourselves where we were. But the the atmosphere, and and afterwards, and I know there's been some criticism about you know people going on the pitch, but look, we're fans. We know that was just sure, just it was just relief, absolute relief. To think that you know we don't have to go into because I'm sure you did the same as me, and a lot of people did. 2-0 down and you're thinking ahead to the Arsenal game and you're thinking I don't know if we're going to get anything from that to be honest and and that's where my that's where my thoughts were but what a fantastic reaction you know Calvert-Lewin with a goal that you know I've even put it as my screensaver on my phone just to remind me <laughs> of that, to be honest with you it's, it was just a, a great evening and you know the fans on the pitch you know and then Frank Lampard you know coming out like he did um, it it just pure relief, wasn't it? Yeah, totally, mate. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and you know, obviously, 
looking looking at how it how it sort of finished, mate, with that you know heavy defeat against Arsenal. Um, it was a good job, really, wasn't it? Obviously, we, it was, we, yeah. we we got the three points, mate. But just just looking at it in the rounds, obviously, I you know I had to I had another look at the table before. Um, obviously, for for us to finish sixteenth, um, after thirty eight games, and I think twenty one defeats out of the thirty eight. Yeah. Um, it's it's a really disappointing season, mate, isn't it? Um, yeah. And I know, obviously, like we've talked about, there's there's a lot of factors, you know, to to sort of weigh in for that. Um, but just just obviously looking at things, you know, in the cold light of day, mate. Um, and and I know, obviously, a lot of people have mentioned this. It it was sort of a perfect storm, wasn't it, mate? I mean, obviously, in terms of the injuries, you know, Calvert Lewin out for. A vast majority of the season. I think it was only Leeds, apparently, who had more players injured for a significant amount of time than yeah. us. Um, so we, you know, we lost we lost players in key positions for a long period of time. We've obviously, you know, like you said, um, you know, Benitez coming in, who, you know, I think the vast majority of fans sort of give him a go. But then obviously with with his with his history, what what he said previously, different things. Um, once results started to go against them, that was always sort of going to happen. Yeah, well, um, yeah. And then, you know, you look at obviously, again, because with, with a lot of the fan base thinking, well, they weren't listening to with regards to that appointment. You look at obviously Pereira um, was really touted, wasn't he, by all accounts. It was yeah. more or less a done deal um, until the fans started, you know, started the protests. Um, even looking at stuff like you know, for me, the, the Luca Dean thing still grates on me a bit, mate. I've got to be honest. Um, in terms of you know, he, he obviously raised his concerns with Benitez. Did obviously didn't didn't fell on Zephyrs. You know, he he was he was sort of he was sold. Um, you look at you know, obviously Marcel Brands um, yeah. has has gone out the door. Um, during that time, um, the medical team, the scouting team. Um, and then obviously Frank getting brought in the last day of the window. Um, not much obviously time to to get any players in. Um, you know I, I think and you probably agree, Steve. I think obviously Deli Ali, maybe the jury's still out. Um, I thought he was obviously fantastic when he come on against Palace, but he hasn't really been that involved. Um, fans are obviously probably going to go back to United as well. Um, yeah. but just obviously I, I know we're obviously going to touch on the fan advisory board, mate, and I think. I, th- I think it's really important for us going forward. I think, obviously, mate, with um, with what's happened during the season, and obviously the position that the, the, the we found ourselves in, I think the fans certainly have took it upon themselves to make the voices heard mm-hmm. this season, maybe more than ever. Um, so, just obviously, and I know, mate, um, you're obviously going to put yourself forward for the fan advisory boards amongst a lot of other really good candidates. But um, if you just obviously want to tell us about what what the aims are for the fan advisory board, mate, and how you how you feel that can help going forward. Yeah, and 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 just before we do, um, yeah, I, I think um, just to, to confirm exactly what you said, such an up and down season, and there was no consistency. It's been a, an absolute a catalogue of events, hasn't it? You know, it, it, it's just been everything that could happen has happened, you know, and you've touched on some of them there. And and that's why just looking ahead and going back to the point I made before about, you know, starting the season on a good footing, you know, we've left the season, forget the Arsenal game, right? Put that aside, with, with what the fans have done, and 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 it, and how they've impacted the players and the team at the end of season. You know, it saved the same 
the season overall. We've got, in my opinion, we've got to build from there. I know there's frustrations. You know, I'm a fan like you. There's frustrations out there. I hear every single day about, you know, the club are not communicating, the club are not saying this, the club are not doing I was, I was just saying that um, I think when you look at all of, I keep an eye on Twitter and, and a lot of the, the media and, you know, what's cool to me is, is, is communication. You know, the board and the club are getting a lot of criticism for not communicating end of year. You know, there's people like yourself and a lot of others doing these end of year reviews and there's been nothing from the club and communication seems to be key. And, and, and I see communication as one of my personal strengths, to be honest with you, you know, engage a lot with clients and, and stuff like that. And I see the importance of it. It totally doesn't have to be great detail. And, and a good example um, and it was my son who reminded me that, you know, when Jack Grealish got sold by Villa? Yep. I think their owner came out and he did a little YouTube or a little video, 10, 10 minutes long, and explained, you know, um, the club's thinking and strategy and et cetera. And, you know, that got brilliant reviews because it was someone at the most senior level coming out and explaining things. And Exactly. You know, yes. so there's, there's good examples and then there's bad examples. And look, Everton are a fantastic club. They do a lot of things and they do some good communication, but I think it's got to be improved, to be honest with you. Um, and that's coming coming back to the, the fan advisory board. Um, I I am one of the candidates and there's some great candidates on there. This fan advisory board, I think I'm hoping people will get the significance of it because a lot of these frustrations around communication and, and you know, some, some of the, the comments made about the board, a lot of that now, has got an, there's an opportunity to, to to influence some of the changes around there. Is it going to change change a board member out? Who knows, right? But to me, there's a lot of other things that need fixing before we even start talking about the board. Simple things that can be fixed, you know. So the fan advisory board, as as has been as has been mentioned, you know, this has been uh, proposed and now agreed by the club. Um, and and the what's called the Everton Stakeholder Steering Group. I don't know whether you or the listeners have, have um, come across that before. Yeah, there's a bit still, yeah. Yeah. So they've done a great job in, in influencing, you know, what, what is now the terms of reference for the fan advisory board. And that, that terms of reference is, as I say, it's quite significant because it's, it's, it's going to be touching on, you know, strategic vision objectives, it's going to be involving the EFC heritage, you know, looking at the, and this is the big one for me, it's around the, the plan for broader sort of support and engagement. You know, there's so many groups and, and, and people out there that are continually talking and, and communicating over everything and having their points and their comments and, and, and their say. But where does it all go? You know, a lot of it, okay, I'll listen to a podcast, you listen to a podcast, and a lot of it gets heard by the fans. Some of it's good, some of it's negative, you know, across all of those platforms, but it doesn't really go anywhere. And there's there's a lot of good stuff in there that, you know, if it was put together in a constructive way and put together, you know, with some guidance and, and the right format, that is going to be invaluable because, like we've spoken about just now, about the difference the fans and the voices can make. They've done it on the pitch and they've done it with the players. So why can't we harness that and bottle it and use it? you know, to, to help improve. And that's one of the, as it says, it's one of the objectives and one of the, the focus areas of, of, of the fan advisory board. You know, escalations, not not that I would expect too many of them, but those things are going to be covered as well. 
but it's even going to look start to look at the stadium relocation and the legacy project. You know, the club have already put a lot of ideas forward, but a lot of them have got to be firmed up, and that's the fans' opportunity. You know, and this this board's opportunity to try and influence and structure a bit of that. And everybody wants when we move to Bramley Moor, everybody wants that to be a success. But we also need fan input and 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 start to think about the legacy of Everton around Goodison Park. You know, for the good of the people who who've not I say put up with the club, but who've lived with the club for so many years, and that's got to have fan involvement as well. It, it's yeah. it's got to have you know, finance and, and revenue generation. Well, absolutely. If the fans have got the ideas, they can use that passion, as, as we've spoken about. They can certainly influence some of that as well. And again, I would, the, the fan advisory board maybe and uh, be able to, to 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 work on that as well. And then yeah. a big one, and you know, it's used a lot, especially in the in the media and and in twit on Twitter and Facebook and the likes. The word governance, governance regulation and compliance. You're talking to a a person who's lived and breathed governance, risk, compliance, quality, security, you name it, right? So let's ask the question, is the governance in place at Everton Football Club? Absolutely. Every club has got to have governance in place. Is the governance effective? Well, I think people are saying no. Well, this is the this is a chance now with the fan advisory board to work closer with the club to understand more about how it's being run. You know, is it effective or not? And influence some of that where it's where it's not maybe being effective. But governance is in place, you know. And then the regulatory and compliance bit, you know, moving to a new ground. That's we we know, don't we? When when it was talked of that we were going to fill in a dock and that we were going to build on it, you know, there was a lot of people coming out, um, you know, in protest, wasn't there? You know, there's going to be some animals in there or some fish in there and some protected species. You know, there's a lot of things you've got to consider. And to fair play yeah. to the club, to get to where they are now and they're actually building, they've overcome a lot of obstacles. And 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 that's meant that there's pro- needed to be proper governance regulation and they've needed to comply. So, but this is an opportunity now with the fans advisory board for, for the fans to engage properly in a structured way and have a body that's acting on their behalf and, and champion a load of those issues, have the communication have the direct communication with the board members. And I know it's been frustrating because in amongst everything we've just spoken about there as part of the review, you know, the the general meeting with shareholders attended, that was removed. Yeah. yeah. So yet again, you've got what was a conduit to some communication, that was removed. And who knows, it might come back in the future. But now with the fan advisory board, that can actually start to, you know, to take the place of that and fill the gap, hopefully. And and a lot, as long as it's constructive, that that kind of stuff can can make a massive difference. And I I would like everybody to get behind and give this thing a chance. And let's 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 like I say, look at the words fan advisory board. Okay, that means that they can advise the the, the fans, people like yourselves, and 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 all of these people who do great things on Twitter and spend your own time. You know, there's a lot of stuff we want to, and we should cream off from that for the good of of the club, because the voices are there, they're being heard, but they're not being heard, and the good stuff is being is being missed. So this fan advisory board, um, which is going to consist of of, you know, uh, uh, I think it's going to be eleven members in total, and um, nine, seven of those um those members are going to be made up from different supporters group, heritage society, um, fans forums. 
you know, there's already reserved places, seven of those. And and I, I think you mentioned it before, but currently out for vote is, is the four other roles. One is, is to be a shareholder, going to be serving a three three year term. One is um, an individual representing a group with a protective characteristic, um, which is defined by the Equality Act, which will serve one year term. And then there's two other positions in there for, 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 for supporters who've not got no eligibility requirements. So they're not a shareholder. They don't fall into a category. And that's been the opportunity for people, I won't say me because I am a shareholder, but for other people who've, who've not been a shareholder to step up, put themselves forward. And, and you've got now 12 candidates who are being voted on. And there's some fantastic candidates in there. And, and, I, and, and no doubt we're near in the end of the vote now, but I'd call on anyone who's not voted yet. You've paid you the vote closes for, you know, those with a, um, a, a customer number. So that's people who are season ticket holders or actually members of some of the, the clubs. So anyone with a customer number, they've got until 12 o'clock, 11.59 to be precise, on, um, on Thursday evening, the 9th, uh, 9th of June. To, 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 to make that vote. It takes literally 30 seconds. Vote up to four, up to four people. Um, I think it's four. And, you know, you pay, you pay your money for your season ticket. You've got a right to vote. So go and do that vote. Go and use your, your vote and, and look at those bios and choose the best person for you. It's not an opportunity for the individuals. It's an opportunity for the fans to get the right people to be on that board who are going to make a difference. Because seeing the terms of reference and seeing the opportunity, I think it could be a big, big deal list. If, if they get the right people and then they move on the, the vision and the objectives, I think it could be a really big deal for the football club. That's brilliant, Steve. No, I really appreciate you going over it, mate. Uh, and obviously, I, w- I wish you the best of luck um, in your candidacy as well. Um, what I'll do anyway, Steve, obviously, when I put the put this podcast out, I'll include a link, um, obviously, to, for people to vote. Um, I've got the details there and stuff, mate. And yeah, I totally echo it. Um, you know, your sentiments there is, is for people to use the vote. If obviously people want to make best, best use out of this fan advisory board then you know they've got to they've got to vote for for the for the right people um for them so yeah totally i hold that I, and i'll make sure obviously all the details are out when we, we get the podcast out tomorrow mate well like i say we all want the best for the club and never has there been a better time you know as we approach a new season as well to start it off on a good footing you know Let's let there'll always be negativity. There'll always be some people who you know have got their own thoughts and stuff, and they've got a right to to, to say what they want. But you know, let's let's use what what we saw at the end of the season. Let's use it to, to not just focus on the players on the pitch, which I, I hope to God that that still happens when the, the season kicks off. But let's use that passion and and the power of the people, the fans to start getting positive about our club again and start to move this club forward and back to where it needs to be. The fans can be the key here. Not just on the pitch, but the fans can be the key in other areas as well. That's my true belief. Yeah, I think it's spot on, Steve. Absolutely spot on, mate. I think it is. Um, I think it's the you know, like you said, the way we saw with with the fans, obviously just sort of dragging us out the mire. Um, then you know, certainly 
they can use to, to you know to be to be even more positive in the running of the club, which you know I think it's absolutely spot on. Um, stay just quickly. I, I just wanted to get your thoughts as well. Just obviously on next season, mate. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know Frank's gonna have a, a, a summer with the players. Um, you know I know normally it would be around this time people will be going off of the World Cup, etc. But obviously we, we've got that to come um, in December, mate. And I, I think that's a whole different conversation. Um, but obviously. He's going to have a chance to, to to work with the players over the summer. Um, just wanted to see what your thoughts are. Really, I mean, do, do you think there's going to be many many incomings and outgoings over the summer? I think we know there's there's going to be a lot of outgoings because a lot of them are reaching the end of the contracts, aren't they? Yeah. And and you know, if you take the Delft situation, and I know at the time he he seemed to to switch it on, didn't he? And 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 Lampard was getting the best out of him, and he he was looking good, but you know. Would you be talking about keeping him on right at that point in time? No, exactly. the answer yeah. is absolutely not. You know, but you know, Delph. There's there's a couple of others that you know the contracts are ending, and you know, and you look at it and think, yeah, they're they're the right they're the right things. Let let them go now. We we know that you know there was definite signings needed this summer. Okay, I know. I I just heard the last few days that. Um, that John Joe Kenny's been uh, given a new contract. And I know that's split opinion again, hasn't it? You know, um, but a couple of days before, a similar conversation was had over over Mason Holgate. You know, he's had a bit of a mixed season as well. You know, would we keep him? Would we get rid of him? And my view is, well, he's he, he's a decent squad player. On his, on his day, he's good. But at this present time, going into the new season, you can't get rid of everybody. Of so he's one of those that you would keep. John Joe Kenny, you know, I see. We we all saw some glimpses, um, uh, you know, and but unfortunately, people look at the at the negatives too much, don't yeah. they? But it's a fact. A decision's been made. He's been given a contract. Okay, so our trust is in Frank. He's seen him. He's recognised him, and he's had a big say. If if he didn't think he was good enough, he wouldn't have been given a new contract. So I'm not saying he's good enough to play every single game, but we also need a squad. We we've got to think of. You know the, the 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 first eleven, but we've got to think of a squad. And where would we have been? He slotted in a few games this season. He playing left back and and whatever, and he came in and he did half a job, didn't he? So I tend to think more broadly about the squad. But we we need we need new signings, and I know that Tarkovsky has been um, been mentioned, and um, you know, in fact, I think a lot of fans would would welcome him coming in. Um, then they talk about the weight, the suspect wages that he might be getting, and that then it starts to turn people off. But listen, we we know it, central defence when Mina has not been in that team, we have struggled. No disrespect to Keane and to you know to the other guys there, but the evidence was there. We struggled, and we need we need reinforcement. So if we've got to pay a little bit over the odds, but we get the right people, the right players, then. There's some positions we have to stretch ourselves and go for it, and that is one of the areas where we've got to strengthen. And um, I would like you. You mentioned before Lucas Dean, and I think every single Evertonian was so sad to see him go. Fortunately, you know, and again, look, look at what happened there with Mikalenko. You know, before the lad was even given a game, people were were talking him down, and yeah. look what he's done. Yeah, exactly, mate. So, you know, you've got to give these these players and, and Patterson is hopefully going to be another one. You know, we saw him, I'm sure you saw the game when he played for Scotland and tore about five people apart and stuff. Yeah. We've got to give these players a chance. And 
and that's what I'm saying, beginning of the season, let's not start feeling as if we're on catch-up, like I mentioned before. Let's let's get behind everybody. Let's get a few of these signings in. Um, and there will be more. I think there's, you know, we, we need something creative in midfield. Deli Ali, if we could have Deli Ali with the way he played when he came on in that game and, and turned the game, if we could have him every single game playing like that, we might need, not need to sign anybody. But at this present time, we're not there. So we need somebody creative in midfield. And I think Ericsson was talked about. Yeah. And Ericsson played us off the park in that game. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the guy, I think I'd take him tomorrow. I think he I think he'd be fantastic. We need creativity. And it, that's where we need that's where we need to strengthen. It's a bit of an interesting one up top, isn't it? Because and God forbid that Richarlison goes, and, and my thoughts are that he, he won't. Okay. Um, when, when it's come out in the press or whenever he spoke about He's left the club, no, and Lampard, no. I think that's a player who's, you know, he's felt disappointed in the season. He wants to, you you all hear it, don't we, you know? He wants to be winning things with Everton. And, you know, he's playing at such a high level with Brazil and the likes. And I think he's just wanting his input and, and, and to see where that goes. I personally don't think he'll go, and, and, and I hope he doesn't. But do we sign another striker? I think we need to, to be fair. I think we need a little bit of a, a striker that's that's going to get us, you know, not going to score us a million goals, but it's going to put those goals in when we need them. And, and 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 I am hoping that Dominic will stay fit, although I know there's talk of him and some connections with him and other clubs, but we need, we need fresh faces. Absolutely, we need fresh faces. Yeah, no, I totally agree, mate. Um, and it will be interesting, I think, obviously... It doesn't look like we're going to have much to spend, really. Um, unless, obviously, like you said, one of the biggest is Dugo. Um, so I know, you know, whether Frank sort of taps into his, his, his Chelsea connections, mate. I mean, there's, I think there's been about two or three players, hasn't there, mentioned yeah. um, that Colwell at the back. Conor Gallagher, obviously, you know, there's a big link there. Yeah, yeah. Broker, Broker or Broker, the, um, the lad who was on loan at Southampton. Um, I know he's been mentioned as well. So, I think, like you said, mate, I mean, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, we go into the season with a stronger squad than obviously last season. It's finished. And we yeah. can, like you said, we, we can kick on. Just just realistically, though, Steve, where, where do you think where do you think we'll finish? Or, do you, you know, where, where, where would you, you know... Uh- I, I, I think, think we need to realistic? be. I think we need to be exactly the words realistic. We need to be absolutely realistic, you know. And if we got, we look, we never want to, re, re, you know, uh, 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 that happening again, like we had last season. That is too much to bear, okay. And that is not Everton Football Club. And and I know our fans are so passionate. And look, I hate it as well. You know, you see these other teams playing in the midweek and. Even in the Europa League and this, you know, the other league that they set up in the Champions League, and it's disheartening, isn't it? You know, because our club should be there, but we're not going to be jumping straight into that position, are we? So we've got to be realistic. If we got mid-table or just above mid-table, that will be a result. If if for some reason we kicked on and you know we we were, we were just getting up there, chances that will be an absolute fantastic season, but. I, I don't like to run before we can walk. And we're building here again. We're building from a really bad situation. So we've got to be realistic. We all, we all, 
wish that we'd be back where we need to be, like I say, on on the weekdays and and having those, you know, the evening games in the Champions League and whatever. That's an aspiration at this present time. And I, I just hope that the fans remain realistic, you know. And as long as the performances are good, as long as, you know, we stop making those stupid mistakes and we, some good luck goes our way instead of VAR going against us and everything else, I think stability this season coming is what we need with some good performance. And it'll show Lampard is capable and then we can kick on again. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, mate. I think hopefully we can see um, a bit of stability, like you said, mate, because obviously this shopping and change of manners, certainly since Mercedes come in, um, it, you know, th- there's literally been no stability. So I just hope, obviously, Frank gets given the tools to sort of bring in the players he wants. Um, hopefully we can see maybe a bit more of a defined style of play as well and obviously yeah. what, what what way we want to play there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think the big one for me is like you said, mate, it's progression. You know, if we if we can see that there is a progression, that there's a style of play, the players are, are, are giving everything and we are obviously progressing up that up, up that league. I think most fans would be happy with that. Um, yeah. You know, even if it is where at the end of the season, you know, we, we, we finish mid-table. Mid um, I mean, who knows, mate? You know, if we get a few favourable cup throws and stuff, you, you just don't know, do you? <laughs> you know, no. um, and I know certainly, you know, and I know Frank Frank himself knows how important that is for, for Everton Football Club, um, in terms of the cup cup competitions. But yeah, as I say, mate. I mean, hopefully, we we get a bit of good news over the summer, like you said. You know, some, especially some of the top boys, they stay. Um, and obviously get get a bit of wheeling and dealing done and, and, and get that squad sorted out, mate. And uh, yeah, it's, it's open for a much better season next season. Um, but stay really want to appreciate appreciate your time uh, for coming on tonight, mate. It's been brilliant. Uh, brilliant speaking to you. Um, like you said, obviously wish you the best of luck for the fan advisory board. But like you said, the main thing is obviously the, the fans using the, using their votes and getting Absolutely. you know getting the right people onto the board, mate. But um, certainly, hopefully, you know, you come back on next season anyway, stay and say hopefully we're we're all in a, a better position talking about the Blues at that point. Yeah, let's let's do that, Matt. My, my, I, I appreciate you um, include me tonight, and um, like I say, we're, we're all fans. We want the best for the club, but. I'm 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 happy to come on anytime, Matty. And um, you know, I don't want to repeat myself. I don't want to sit on the fence. And apologies if some people think saying we're going to be mid-table sitting on the fence. It's just being realistic, to be honest. Yeah. But look, um, well done with doing the podcast. It's it's good to hear. Again, I'm hoping that things like this and some good points, you know, can can be factored into and and listened to and 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 taken forward with the back end of the fan advisory board. You know, because it's it's all good stuff and. You know, you're spending your time and there's a lot of people coming on here. So it, it should be that way. But um, yeah, let, let's touch base again. Hopefully we'll be in a better position and hopefully we'll um, we'll get a great start to the season. And let, just one thing is the fans can make that happen. I really, really, truly believe the fans can make that happen. And that's why I'd like to call on them to, you know, to get behind the team, get behind the club and give some time. And, and build some patience. I'm the most impatient person in the world. You ask my kids, but <laughs> yeah, honestly, but but you, 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 in me, I've got to temper it. And then I come back to yeah, realism. And the realism is that we'll do better this season. I'm confident of it. But the fans can make that difference. They really can. I, I truly believe it. But thanks, Matty. Great, great to uh, great to speak. 
Oh, yeah, definitely, Steve. And yourself, mate. Really appreciate your time coming on, mate. It's been fantastic. Um, so that's it, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed, uh, enjoyed our chat. Um, and, and I know, obviously, once uh, once the new signings, fingers crossed, start, start coming in across, uh, across, across the line, then uh, we'll obviously get back and we'll do another podcast. But, yeah, once again, thanks very much for listening, guys. Enjoy your summer. Take care and up the toffees. <laughs>